Okay, Boker Tov, we continue the story of Rav Huna's death and burial. So now we're up to the stage now where Rav Huna's uh, coffin is transported to Eretz Yisrael to be buried. So, of course, as we've already learned in the SCP class, it's a big schuss to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. The Pasuk says, V'chiper admoso amo, and his land will atone for its people. So they explain, the people dwelling there shall be forgiven of sin, and burial can also refer to, dwelling can also refer to burial. Uh, however, as a whole machlokas, some say it's only if you lived in Eretz Yisrael the whole time. Okay, either way, they now, Kiaskul also, when they brought him up from Bovel to Eretz Yisrael, so people got to find out about this. So Amrilele Ravami Ravasi. So they told Ravami and Ravasi, who were big rabbis living in Eretz Yisrael, they said, Ravuna Asi, Ravuna's coming. Now, these two rabbis thought that they said he's coming as he's alive. They didn't understand he's coming in a coffin. So therefore, they were a little bit not happy that he was coming. Why? Amru, they said. When we were there in Bavel, when we were studying Torah in the yeshivas in Bavel, we were unable to raise our heads because of his superiority. Now, Ravami and Ravasi were originally among the greatest sages in Bavel, but were still very subservient to Rav Huna who was the leader of the generation. So it's like we couldn't even like have any place, so to speak. He was like so head and shoulders beyond us. We had no purpose like. So then we went back to Eretz Yisrael where the learning wasn't as great. So now, hashta and now that we've come here to Eretz Yisrael for, already, for years already, awesome Boston, he's gonna follow us? Okay. So it's very interesting. Although although Ravuna was their superior, it's they felt at least it's not proper to encroach upon their territory, since they already became worthy rabbis and established leaders in Eretz Yisrael. Now, if he came to live in Eretz Yisrael, okay, they they they, they felt, you know, we don't want to have to defer to him. Uh, so that's a very it's a very difficult statement. I mean, if he's a greater rabbi than them, they should be willing to defer. And it seems like, oh, let, listen, we already got our, our 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 what do you call it? Our our community, so to speak, and we're the the big rabbis here, as they should be the big rabbis over there. Remember, the the rabbis in Bavel were much the Torah learning in Bavel was much superior at that time. To that near to Saul. So now we're near Saul. Now they're going to come. So this is a very difficult Gomorrah. I don't have a shot uh, of you know what's going on over there. So therefore we don't we don't even want to go and meet him. So Amrulay they said no 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 we're not talking about him being alive. Aronabo his coffin's coming. He's not alive. Oh okay he's not alive. So now we have to give respect. Okay. Ravami Ravasi Nafak. So Ravami Ravasi went out to escort the coffin to its final resting place. However, the other rabbis who did not. 
Rabbi Loi and Rabbi Chanina, who were also in Eretz Yisrael, lo nafuk, they did not go out to uh, escort the coffin. Now there's different versions of the story. Ikridami, they're those who say, Rav Ila nafuk, no, Rav Ila did go out to escort the coffin. Rav Chanina lo nafuk. Rav Chanina did not go out. So now we, we have to understand why would somebody not go out? Why would somebody go out? So to Nafak, so now the one that says, uh, the one who did go out to escort the coffin, my time, and what's the reason they say that? The Tanya, because it was taught in a Brisa that if Aaron ha over mimakalamakam, a coffin that passes from one place to another for burial, and it arrives at a second location sometime after death. In other words, the person died here, he's going here, and eventually he's going to get buried. So when it's on a long trip, they're required to stand in line on its account. And they're also required to say on that account the mourner's blessing and the mourner's condolences. Now what is that? In other words, when they inter the coffin in a place where they transported it, and there's mourners present, she follow all the customs that are normally observed at a funeral, even though some time has passed since the death. Okay? Whereas it's quite a long time. If you're going to carry a coffin, even by horse, wagon, from Bubble to Yisrael, it's probably a few days. So the custom of standing in line and reciting the mourner's blessing will be learned later on on Dav Chav Zayin. And the mourner's condolences that are mentioned here are the condolences that are said during the standing in the line. So they felt, you do say that. It's still uh, something to be said, even though it's been a long time since the burial. Delona, fact, the ones who did not go, my time, and what's their reason? Because they have a different Brisa that says the opposite. The Tanya of Brisa says, or and over, makam, makam. The coffin's going from one place to another place and comes to another location sometime after the death, you don't stand in line on their account, and you don't say the brachas of the mourners and the condolences of the mourners. Ay, isn't that a contradiction in prices? Kashin adori, it's a contradiction. No, lo kasha, it's not a kasha. Kan, when we say that you still give the words of mourning, that's shishildo kayemis, where the skeleton is still intact. Okay, in other words, there's still, uh, you know, spines, ribs, face, whatever. It's all intact to that extent, so there's what to give comfort for. Khan, Bishain Shildo Kemis. The other Bryce is speaking when the skeleton is no longer intact. When the skeleton is intact, one must accord the deceased and his mourners the full honor that's normally given when a funeral takes place immediately. When it's not intact, there's no requirement to honor them in this manner. In other words, so much time has passed since the death, the bones have come apart already. So there's nothing really left. I mean, he's, he's out of this world now. Once, once the body is decomposed to that extent, it doesn't have that much of a, the soul doesn't have that much connection with it. So therefore, there was a different of opinions. Different rabbis thought different things. Okay. So I guess you have to, that's the answer to the brysa. So now the Gemara says, wait a minute. But in the case of Huna, the skeleton was intact. So what was the excuse of the rabbis not to go out? 
So the answer is the low nofak, the ones who did not go out, lo simua kame. They didn't get the full report. They weren't aware that Ravuna's skeleton was still intact. So therefore, they were misinformed. That's all. So it makes now a difference if the skeleton is intact as well. Okay. So now they've got him in Eretz Yisrael. So what's the next challenge? Next challenge is Amre. So everybody who was in the funeral procession says, Hey, where are we going to bury him? Remember, there's some laws. You do not bury a wicked person next to a righteous one. We don't bury an ordinary person alongside an unusually great person. So which, who is already deceased, who's buried, is a proper place to bury Ravuna. Just don't bury him anywhere. And now they're analyzing things. They're saying, well... Ravuna rebates Torah Yisrael. Ravuna disseminated Torah amongst the Jewish people. Uh, the Gemara Ksuva says he had so many students that when they stood up, brushed off their clothes, the cloud of dust obscured the sun. In other words, they're sitting on the floor, they're dirty. When they all got up after the shear, can you imagine thousands of people with dusty yeshiva black suits all going like this? So he had a lot of students. Okay, well, they know there's somebody else who was a big person like that, who has now been deceased. Rabchia, Rabchia, rebates Tabi's of Rabhiva, also was someone who disseminated Torah. Famous Gemara and Baba Metzia. Rabchia says, I made sure the Torah would not be forgotten. So, whole discussion over there. He took five students, he taught one each or, or uh, one section of the Torah. And then the five of them would teach each other. It's a whole story over there. But uh, he was a great disseminator of Torah. Oh, so he got a perfect shidduch. We're going to bury him next to Rabchiah. But now the question is, who's going to be the one to bring him into the crypt? Man ma'ayol lay. Who's the rabbi who's meritorious enough to bring him into the crypt? Okay. So, uh... Well, okay, anyway, which is, it's not so simple. When you bury a, a tzadik like this, you got to be on a pretty high level. Shamalu Rav Chaga, this fellow by the name of Rav Chaga, he comes along and says, I'll, I'll bring him in. I think I'm worthy enough for this. Why? For I established, I had a thorough knowledge of the Talmud by the time I was 18 years old. And also, my morality was of a good caliber. For lo chazi li keri, I never had a seminal emission. Okay? Uh, sometimes you get it at night because of thoughts you had. Rab was pure, not only in deed, but in thought. Okay? So, and even though he had postponed the time to get married so his libido should be strong so he wasn't none of that ever happened okay big Talmud Chacham pure soul seems like a, the worthy person to inter the body and I was an attendant of Rav Chia during his lifetime also so that's another thing and and I'm acquainted with all his pious deeds such as, and they really, he really knew him. He was a close student of him. One day, his fill and strap just turned over. 
Now remember, it's got to be black on one side. This side. So it was just turned over. Now the fact that it, it should, the black side should be facing out is halacha l'moshem Sinai. Or we could say we're talking about these straps where it was where it's tied to be the shin dal the yud has to be facing outwards. Anyway, supposed the black side supposed to face out, and what happened? It turned over. We're not talking about the tefillin fell down. We're not talking about the straps touching the floor. We're talking the strap just turned over. The yasiv Allah us, and he fasted forty days for that inadvertent transgression. Now, obviously, you don't have to fast for this. So it was very pious person. You know, so you don't fast, you give tzedakah, etc. But anyway, you could see, so I really knew him, and he was really a big tzaddik, and I learned a lot from him. Okay, so like a, a good student, so I guess he's the one who should bring him in. But you gotta be careful when you're bringing in people like that. So Eilis, so Rav Chaga brings Rav Huna into the crypt. Ah, but wait a minute. When Chia was buried, you think he was just buried alone? There was nobody next to him? So have a Gani Yehuda Mimeidavua. So Yehuda, who was the elder son of Chia's two sons, was lying on his father's right side. He already was also deceased. So you have Rabchia in the middle, you have a son Yehuda on the right, and the Chizkia Mismali and Chizkia on the left. Wait a minute. Where are you going to put Ravuna? Where they wanted to bury him next to Rabchia. Okay, so this is a little bit out of our league now. So, Omer le Yehuda Chizkia. So Yehuda says to Chizkia, oh, they're not alive. Their spirits are talking over here. Okay, you got to realize these were unbelievable tzaddikim. Kum arise from your place. Right? Delav orach ara dekoyim ravuna. It's not respectful that ravuna should stand and wait to be buried. What's going on over here? Well, the Meiri interprets this allegorically as meaning that the sages decided it was proper to disinter the body of Chizkia to make room for Ravuna. Although a body is normally not disinterred to make room for another one, as we learned in the SCP, but this was an unusual case due to the honor of Ravuna. Okay, now some say this was really what was going on with the spirits and the souls. Be that as it may, Either they decided to move one or the other, whatever. Now, but how did the claim says Chizkiah rose? He was disinterred. Well, all kinds of spiritual things went on. Come Bahadi Torah, a pillar of fire arose with him. Now, that means that although the sages said that they could disinter, and this was an extraordinary difficulty, but uh, but there's still a fear of being punished by the flame of the disinterred merits of that sage. Okay, so in other words, there's great, there's a lot of greatness over there. You pulled them out, okay, but you're dealing with fire over there. And Chazir of Chaga, and Rav Chaga is the one who has to di- has to bury them. He saw the pillar of fire. He boys, he was scared. Zak Velona, he raised Ravuna's coffin to shield himself from the fire. Venafak Asa and exited the crypt. In other words, it was such a flaming moment, so to speak, when you're this I mean you're dealing with high charged Nishamas here. 
and they're coming out. So like the first, I think they also said with, was it with the Rambam or I forget who or one of them. Like there was like a pillar of fire accompanying. I mean, this is like unbelievable stuff. So anyway, so he was spared. And the reason he wasn't harmed by the filler of fire, because he raised Ravuna's coffin in front of it. Perhaps this means the merit of bearing Ravuna saved him from the punishment of disturbing the remains of Chizkiah. Okay. Anyway, so that happened. Now, so that well, that's the with Ravuna. So Ravuna's finished. Okay, we learned whatever halachas we had to learn from it. So now we're going to talk about another funeral. This is... Where did they actually bury him? What? Where did they actually bury him? In Muslim. What? In Muslim. No, because yeah, when they were going to move, they didn't move, right? Yeah, I don't know. Because the fire came out. They didn't move. Good question. <laughs> Guess the Gemara didn't feel it necessary to tell you that. What the end was. Good question. Either they put him in a... Well, obviously, they took him out. So I guess... You know, he had to finish it. I guess when the pillar went away, he buried him. Yeah, you figure the Gomorrah gives us every single detail. Why don't they tell us the last detail? Anyway, next funeral. Kinoch nafshei Rav Chista. When Rav Chista passed away... So similar to what we had in the previous story. Some things are repetitive here. Sover last way Sefer Torah Pur. They wanted to put a Sefer Torah on his coffin as well. And Amalo Rav Yitzchak and Rav Yitzchak said to them, same as yesterday, Milsa the Larabilos Vile, something that Rav Chista's teacher, Rav Huna, did not consider correct. As we learned yesterday, Anan Nikam Navila, are we going to do this? So we're not going to do that. More continues. Savar, now after Rav Chista's funeral, here's a new point now. Remember, they all ripped their garments, right? So Savar, they were thinking, they, said, they thought they're not going to baste the area where they ripped it. We said that you're supposed to rip your garments when he dies. The question is, can you baste it? Basting is not completely fixed. It's just putting a few over there. So figuring we're not going to baste it. We're going to leave it like that permanently. Amler of Yitzchak Barami, Rav Yitzchak Barami said to them, Chacham, when a sage who's not your primary teacher dies, so guess what? Kivin Sheikh Sirapadeim, once you turn your faces away from the cemetery, Macharei Amita, from the coffin, after you ripped, so Shailalin, you may baste it. Okay? So he holds you can baste it. Okay, fine. Now, next person. Kinoch nafshei to Rabbah. Now we're going to talk about eulogies. When Rabbah bar Rav Huna v'Rav Hamnuna passed away, when the two of them passed away, askinon lahasam, they were brought up to Eretzol to be buried, and the coffins were side by side. Well, as long as there's a lot of space, you can accommodate everybody and go side by side. Kimata Gishra, when they reached the narrow bridge, and now there's only room for one to go first. So who's going to go first? So it seems that there were camels that were carrying the coffins. Kamugamle, the camels, stood still and refused to go forward. Amr the Arab merchant who owned the camels, said, Amr said to the mourners, My high, what's going on? 
What happened to my camels? Are they spooked? They should be going. Why is nobody going? They said, It's the deceased rabbis who are honoring each other. Mar Amr, one of them is saying, Marne al let the other one go first. Umar Amr, the other one says, Marne al let the other one goes first. So even in their deaths, they continued to honor each other, and the camels sensed innately what was going on, and therefore uh, they didn't move. Okay. Interesting. The Gemara Bracha says that normally you don't you don't give people honor by letting them go first over a narrow bridge, but that only applies to two travelers who meet on the road. But when they go out together, it's proper to let one go ahead. So therefore, they were stuck. Omar. So the Arab says, "Dino who the It stands to reason that Rabbi should go first. Why? He's a great man, and his father, Rav Huna, that we just discussed, was also a great man. So, therefore, it's a great man, the son of a great man. Okay? So, Chalif Gamli, the Rav Huna. So, therefore, yeah, the camel of Rav, the son of Huna, and did, went first. Okay? Nasser Kaveh, Vishine Dataya. But the Arabs' molars and teeth fell out. He was punished for slighting Rav Hamnuna, or for slighting Rav Hamnuna's father, who was also a worthy person. So you got to be careful at these funerals, guys. We're dealing with all these people. Okay. So that was that issue. Now, that story's over. Now we're going to talk about specific eulogies. So that was said... Um, when, when these coffins came to Eretz Yisrael, there's an idea you should eulogize. And as we see, a, a, a eulogize has to be careful not to say too little or to say too much. You can embellish a little bit, but so it's very difficult thing to do this. And uh, we're gonna see you quote Psukim, etc., etc. And so what's gonna happen here, from a number of eulogies, and they're said very, pardon the pun, cryptically okay and you'd have to be a smart person to understand what they meant so here's a good example where you're going to have eulogies that are very cryptically stated and the Gemara then is going to have to explain what did he mean what praises did he mean when he was saying it so there was uh, one time so they were bringing in and the it was said like this this is what they would say Geza Yeshishim Olami Bavel. A disciple of sages has ascended from Bavel. Now, literally, a Geza means a stump. Okay, or the, or, but it's used in Tanakh as an offspring. The word Yeshishim appears in Eov. Bishishim Chachma, in the age it is wisdom. So, Geza Yeshishim would mean a descendant of elderly sages. So since it's Rav Hamnuna, who was not famous for his ancestry, it was translated as disciple of sages. He went up from Bavel, right? Ascended. It's reminiscent of the verse of Ezra. Ezra ascended from Bavel. He was a brilliant scholar of the Torah of Moshe. So the eulogist placed Rav Hamnuna in a unique category of greatness. Okay? So a stump of the wise people, so to speak, a disciple came up from Bavel.
And with him was the book of wars. <coughs> what does that mean? The Torah, poetically, is described as the wars of Hashem. So it means that when Rav Nuna's body arrived from Babel for burial, a Torah scroll, meaning the knowledge that he amassed during his lifetime, accompanied it. That's one explanation. Or he referred to the war between Rav Nuna and Rav Ahuna at the bridge of which the Arab slighted Rav Nuna, etc., etc. Or you could just say, you know, the war is, the Torah is a battleground because you, you war over understanding what Pshat and the Gemara, uh, what Chomish means. So he's a well-seasoned veteran of biblical battles, so to speak. Okay? Ka'as ve'kipod hukpalu. Ka'as and kipod have combined. These are two creatures, are birds that frequent desert and desolate places. Their names are used here to represent curse and affliction. Eulogies means a double curse has befallen us with the death of these two great sages. Okay. Me'iri sees in the mention of these two birds, which characteristically howl and scream, an allusion to many eulogies who gather to bemoan the double tragedy. So this eulogist is talking about these two rabbis that we were talking about before. Continues the eulogy, Liros Bishod Vesherabah, to observe the plunder and calamity that has come from Shinar. Okay, Shinar is another name for Bava. So what the eulogist was saying, all the creatures that inhabit desolate areas have come here to witness the calamity that has come our way from Bavel. And why does he refer to Shinar as Bavel? Because Shinar also is associated with the concept of calamity as there's different sukkim that suggest that. Continues, Kotsav al-Olamo, God was very upset at his world to take away these tzaddikim. Vechamas menavashas, and snatch souls from it. So when a generation is sinful, Hashem takes away the righteous. Okay, so uh, it was they died, as so to speak, an atonement for the generation. But Hashem rejoices with one as one does with a new bride. Bride, although the souls of the snatching of souls was a punishment for the generation, but when they come before Hashem in a state of purity, He rejoices at the achievements. Of such people. Okay. So Hashem's very happy with them. Rochev Aravos Sosvasamach. He, Hashem, who rides on high, is glad and rejoices. Okay. Bavoe love, Nefesh, Nakivitzedek. When an innocent and righteous soul comes to him. So that was the eulogy that he said. Okay. So what do you, what do you see? They didn't talk a lot. <laughs> It was a short eulogy, and you had to be smart to understand what he was saying. But he was talking to smart people. So they understood the poetry that was uh, laden in those words that he said. Okay, now that we're talking about eulogies, let's go to another eulogy. What about when Ravina passed away? The eulogist began and said, Palm trees wave your tops. Like a righteous person who's like a palm tree. That's what we say in Tehillim and Mishpashilioma A righteous person is like a palm tree. Why do we do that? Because we know the palm tree has only one unbranched trunk. So to the righteous, have only one goal is to serve a Kodesh Baruch Hu. 
also will will flourish. And although he's deceased, he left this world, he's not lost, he's going to flourish in the world to come. And, let us make our nights like days with all the illumination that is coming. Okay. So now, we recorded these two very beautiful eulogies. Now, now we're going to talk about eulogies that were not appropriate. Amalei Ravashi Labar Kipok. Ravashi said to the eulogist, Bar Kipok. Hahu Yoma Mai Amrit. On that day when I die, what are you going to say about me? <laughs> now, why was he so interested? So others say, no, on the day of Ravina's death, Ravashi says, how did he intend to eulogize Ravina? Whatever. Either way, what do you plan on saying? Amarle, he says, Amina, I will say the following. Im barozim if upon cedar trees a flame has fallen, mayazu izovekir, what shall the hyssops of the wall do? In other words, if the big tree goes down, what's going to happen to the low one? Because a tzaddik is considered as the righteous cedar of, of Lebanon. Okay, so uh, so if now we're saying if the big one fell, what are we going to do? Or similarly ideas. If the Leviathan was lifted from the sea with a fish, fish hook, what will the small fry do? Unto a rushing stream, dryness descended. The word chaka means dryness. Okay. So mayasu may gabim. What shall the stagnant pot waters do? In other words, the Malchamavas was able to dry up even the powerful rushing righteous deeds that flowed. What about us? So three expressions of man. If this side it gets it, can you imagine what's gonna happen with us? Guess he didn't like the eulogy. Omar Lay, Rav Baravin, Rav Avin spoke criticized this. He says, Chas v'sholem, God forbid. What kind of expressions are you using to describe the taking away of a tzaddik? Dechaka v'shalheves v'tzaykamina? That I should ever mention a fishhook or a flame with regard to the righteous? Because there's all kinds of negative connotations. The flame, for example, is a hint to Gehenim. A fishhook alludes to the evil death that strikes suddenly just as a small thing Hooks on to that. So Bar Kipok therefore said to Rabbi, okay, Umay Amrit. And what would you say if you were going to eulogize him? You're a better eulogizer? Amina, I would say like this. Cry for the mourners. And not for the lost object, for the soul, for the person who died. Because the soul is going to its eternal rest. And we are going to be sighing as a result of losing the great sage. Okay, that's what you should be saying. He's in a good place. We're missing all that. Okay, so now, okay, we gotta stop. It's already almost 8 o'clock. So, the idea of the different eulogies. All right.